Welcome to Casual Watch Talk, the podcast from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel. Join us as we talk everything watches from watch collecting, the latest horology news and interviews. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Let's dive into the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 37 of Casual Watch Talk. You're joined by Sam and Chris. How have you been, Chris? Uh, pretty decent. 37. 37. I know. Yeah. What what month is it? It's. A, you told me it was September. I'm I don't amazed that these days yeah, are melding into one. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a, definitely a weird time, isn't it? And it's, it's certainly because we both live in the, in the US. There's... This lead up to the election, I don't think there's any other news going on no, in the rest of no, the world yeah. that and, the election. And also, we definitely are jealous of all of the folks in other countries who are like out and about. Like I watched some some European, some, you know, British YouTubers and they're like, oh, we're out and about, you know, we're just doing stuff. And yeah, we're still not big, finished with all of this yet. Yeah, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? And I know a lot of people have been certainly asking me on Facebook about the fires and the fires aren't near us, but have you noticed all the ash? There's uh, yep. ash all on our outside furniture. Yeah. The, the, the the skies are spectacular yeah. shades of grey and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's awful, really. It um So the last, so three days ago, all of the all of the stuff went, all the fires basically went high altitude, like 20, 30,000 feet. And then we have the Santa Ana winds that are the hot desert winds that blow out to the ocean. And those came in and everything got all weird and gloomy. Um, and so then we started getting the orange sun in the middle of the day. And then as soon as the Santa Ana winds stopped, all that ash just fell and just, yeah, my car's covered and... Yeah, it's, it's definitely something I never experienced when we lived in the UK. But, I mean, speaking of the election, not that we'll get political, but have you seen, I constantly get in Facebook ads for, have you seen that watch that is a simple digital watch and it, it tells the time, but also it has a countdown to the election? Oh, no, no. That's its, no. That's its complication. Yeah, oh, jeez. Just a countdown the, timer and, and it's permanently fixed, like you can't change it? Well, that's what I was yeah, wondering. Yeah. I don't know whether it counts down and then you get like another four years or something. Right. But that's it. But it's got um, 2020 election on the band. Yeah. I think you can get both yeah. with a red and a blue band. Five something days left and hours. <laughs> so weird, isn't it? Yeah. it, it but um, anyway, well, what we'll do is we'll ah well, of course, we need to kick it off with the watch obsessions. Yeah. Chris, do you want to kick it off as customary? Uh, sure, sure. So this week, a couple things. Um, I still focused on one watch challenge and we got some more folks signed up for that. Um, and then I have been gathering pieces, parts of movements and, and, and such to continue work on my, uh, GMT Seiko mashup. So that's kind of been progressing. I, I have, uh, um, an order that I did, I ordered a GMT movement and this is sort of frustrating in the opposite direction. So if you want to fake a Rolex GMT, you would get one of these movements that, I mean, like the back of this thing is like, has the same colors and everything. And it looks, it looks close. I mean, it, 
obviously it wouldn't pass watchmaker scrutiny but as far as like just anyone sort of look at it and i didn't want that one i did i i wanted the one with the regular um date window and so i have the rolex date on it and i tried to switch the date wheel for the non rolex one i just want the regular uh eta clone dg 3800 uh date wheel couldn't do it I have like a thousand little screws on my workbench and just disassembled parts everywhere. So a little bit of a session there trying to keep that straight. Um, and uh, over on Facebook, our Facebook group, and if you haven't joined, Casual Watch Talk, talk yeah. Casual Watch Talk over on Facebook. We've got, uh, looks like three or four, three or four or five maybe, I think five so far for the One Watch Challenge. So uh, plus yourself, we'll get, uh, we'll get yes. some... Uh, We'll get some interesting, uh, interesting feedback, interesting topics. There's uh, uh, Lee has been cracking me up because uh, Lee has picked a very uh, interesting, very inexpensive watch for his 30 day challenge. And uh, we'll definitely be uh, talking more about that on the show. Yeah, there's been, been some great stories on the Facebook group. When Rob, I think it was Rob that posted that No Mon Watches limited edition bang on oh, the yeah. nose Tudor snowflake i mean steinhardt don't half take the mick but this is this is a i was gonna t- so i was about to type something in there and like i can't even i think i think steinhardt makes good watches good products i've handled their watches i've handled their products they're they're well made they're well finished etc but i mean as far as their brand and as far as like just completely copying the image and concept of the Tudor, it is more than homage, I think. I think it's into, you know, into it's almost naughty. A, it's, it is. And, it, it's and I, can't naughty. De- I can't defend them on that. Cause I really, and then what just... do you what do you feel about it saying no mon watches? I mean, I bought from no mon watches and had no problems, but it's I don't know whether I'd want one that said Joma Shop on it. But right? Maybe, yeah. No mon aren't grey market. I'm not associating them with Joma no. Shop, but it's just weird to have like an online store with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they've done limited editions in the past where they haven't had to brand it. I yeah, I feel that yeah, I feel the same. Also, uh, did does the uh does the tutor have three lines of text and they just needed to put another line is that it's that possibly was that's um, a good chernometer not available was that chronometer 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 there you go <laughs> very good well have i had a watch obsession this week I, i've been reviewing a few watches this is why the one watch challenge has been quite difficult for me because i'm still got watches in for review mm-hmm. that i have to glance on my wrist but i'm trying my trying my hardest as as long as you showed up i mean in your latest video you had your brightling on so as, as long as as long as you're representing the brightling in each video but that's what'll keep you honest well that's what i'll do then that's what i'll do um i don't think i have had a watch obsession well that's a lie we i've been obsessing over there's a watch company called ben ben roos and i think they've recently been they were quite a famous historic band. They've recently been reinvigorated, I say. I think think they might have sold or they got a new CEO or something. I'm sure somebody will correct me on the Facebook group. But they originally made this watch called the Type 1, 
which is an extremely famous US military watch, even more famous at one time than Marathon, although Marathon had a similar watch to this called the Andnak, which was basically Canada backwards. But this Type 1, it became synonymous or nicknamed as the CIA watch. Mm -hmm. Very simple dial, offset case. You'll know it if you saw it. It looks similar to a Marathon Navigator. Very famous watch. And as they were only sold, to military contractors or, or to the to military organizations you couldn't buy these as a as a civilian mm-hmm. so they became they, they became quite legendary these watches now they are it looks like they're re-releasing this watch which for me is a great great news but the website has to be one of the most frustrating teaser websites you've ever seen <laughs> like, it literally has a, a, a one photograph of very dark of what looks like the side of, of whatever the new watch. I presume they're going to make a one for one um, copy. And then it has a lot of interesting history on the page. Some, yeah. very, some stuff that I didn't know hmm. uh, on there that I, I just thought it sold to um, the CIA just because that's his nickname. But they did sell it to military contractors. And it was one of the few watches that the US government did buy and then give to the... I see. Because apparently... Vietnam era. I did, this was another thing I found out on the website actually. That at Viet, when Vietnam hit, that's when the soldiers stopped getting issued watches. Oh, okay. So they still like they had to buy them. Then I, I didn't realize that. Hmm, hmm. So heavy on history, but not heavy on. Uh, was it better or worse than the Rolex from the blue with the like blue background on the side of the case? I don't know if you saw that one. It was very. It sounds almost similar. It's weird, isn't it? Because I would have thought that was a sea dweller with the. But anyway, because it had the sea and it was blue. It sounds like it's sort of the same thing where you're like, we're just going to show you this side picture and not, you know, tease the hell out of it. Well, what's so frustrating is you click on it and you're like, how much is this thing? Like, why can't I pre-order it? How much is it going to be? Yep. Why is there nothing about the movement or or anything like that? I think this. I've got a feeling this is going to be in the eight. 800 to a thousand range okay because based on some of the other ones that they've classic ones they've reissued Mm -hmm. it's a bit uh, frustrating really because it's one of those things where when does a tease become just uh, so frustrating you're just like oh i'll just leave yeah yeah i can't i can't i'm right i'm I'm no or it's frustrating the hell out of me i can't yeah especially in this time of uh shut up and take my money (laughs) e-commerce you know exactly where's the pre-order uh, go, you know, going back to Tudor, going back to Rolex, the I think one of the best changes they made this year was the fact that, like, not that they didn't immediately sell out, but you could go get one, that it was available immediately, and that it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, here's our new thing, and then you know, like in six months, you guys will get these, you know. Is that anecdotal, or have you seen any YouTube videos where somebody's gone into Rolex? Because I only know from Steve on the Facebook group who he rang up his Rolex d- dealer and practically got laughed out the door. Well, no, I, I mean I've seen the new color colorways. Um, there's a Rolex dealer in uh, San Diego that I follow. Oh, really? On uh, Insta, and yeah, seen the seen the new colors, and maybe I'm giving Rolex too much credit, but certainly with Tudor, I mean they, I mean yes. that thing was within a day. Uh, Instagram was lousy with the with the blue with the blue blue black blue black bay the blueberry bay. Um, yeah, so. it went from extremely sought after to oh everybody's got yeah. this so I don't want it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's unfair. Yeah. It, it did look awesome, yeah. and I loved my Tudor Black Bay Fifty Eight. Yeah, had it, so. yeah, yeah. So yeah, just tell us the specs. Tell us how much it's going to be, and then when it comes out, and we'll 
and we'll put, you know, we'll get our credit card warmed up. So this Ben Roos actually very loosely leads into one of the first news stories I wanted to talk about you, Chris. So this this Type 1, there's a famous watch, well, I wouldn't say modder, I'd say a watch customizer called Bamford. We've talked about them on the channel before. The reason that I'm linking it with this Ben Roos story is they had a, they've got a watch that's very similar to the Type 1. They kind of recreated it. Mm -hmm. We talked them about them last on the podcast with that. Do you remember the Zenith we talked about with the where it was made out of the cable from a, like a nuclear yes. power station or something? Yes. And if yeah, if you haven't seen that, definitely check out the Bamford Watch Department.com has got has got a big picture of that that Zenith with the uh cable on it. It's cool. It's incredible. And what I didn't know about them, this story's from Watch Pro is that they have partnerships with the brands. They're not taking watches and dismantling them and customizing them without the permission of... They don't do Rolex, but without the permission of some of the brands that they I do, see. like Tag and things like I that. See. So that was that was really interesting in Zenith. Mm -hmm. You had to have a, a big wallet to be able to afford one of these, but now they're doing a collaboration with G-Shock. So you'd be able to pick up the legendary 5600 with that Bamford have customized and I think they're knocking it out at like $150 or something oh. which obviously that watch is a $40 watch but it's enough to certainly uh, it does look cool now I don't know whether the pictures do it justice but it looks as if it's almost got a matrix style green LCD that they've used that almost looks as if it's slightly degraded I now see. I don't know whether that's the picture but if it does look like that that would be awesome wouldn't it where it looks like it's a faded over looks like almost like a nixie tube or something mm -hmm. like that the way they faded the it faded the green out image the images that they have up on the web right now look like they're all the same so it's 10 10 30 on all of them so i don't i don't see a sort of a, a separate one but yeah it does have that yeah the, uh, that's a, a good, really good description the the matrix sort of you know blinking out numbers kind of thing yeah, they're sort of burning on the on a monitor. They're not on the Bamford website yet either. This is I've I've only seen it on Watch Pro mm, so far. That's cool. Next story again from Watch Pro. I don't know if we talked about this originally. I know it was sort of a big topic on some of the forums, but LVMH Louis Vuitton Moe Hennessy Group very famously own Tag and Mont Blanc and a few other ones. They were going to buy Tiffany's, the famous jewelers, who, of course, like those original Tiffany, were they Patex or something that are super valuable? But they um, they were going to buy Tiffany's, but they backed out of the deal. Um, so Tiffany's, in apparently what is quite rare, instead of going back to the negotiation table, they're, they're going to sue LVMH. For $16 billion, I see. <laughs> wow. Well, that's that was the deal. I think I don't, I don't know. They'll probably get a, a pennies on the dollar for that, but pennies on the dollar is sixteen point two billion. Yeah. is incredible, isn't it? I know, right? Go pick up Tiffany's and for a for less than that. <laughs> they're blaming this on the fact that I don't know whether the French government there was an antitrust thing, but they were sort of saying, "Well, you guys should have known about that first. It's not particularly watch related because mm. tiffany's i mean tiffany's do have their own brand of watches but it's not something that would come on our radar mm. there's certainly mm -hmm. more jewelry watches but i thought it was yeah. interesting and whether this is a sign for some of these mega conglomerates of watch companies whether they're feeling the pinch after covid mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or or that you know we're just you know that they're going to be allowed to buy everything 
Um, so LVMH yeah. is a French conglomerate and uh, Tiffany U.S. jeweler. So they're looking to do that. I wonder. Hmm, that's a lot of international international business going on there for sure. Yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting one to to follow, and whether it's whether they're just backing out the deal for whatever reason, or whether LVMH themselves are feeling the pinch. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. The last time we looked at how Tag was doing it over the the COVID period, I don't think they were they were doing the best. And that limited edition watch they bought out for their birthday that was like six grand, mm-hmm. I and mean, that was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. That that was that was nowhere near that. They kind of really missed the mark with that one big time. Moving on from that one. We'll move on to another brand that's not shy of making a limited edition. And this is Seiko. Se- Se- oh, oh, I was going to guess. I was going to guess Seiko. <laughs> yes. Omega. I Omega. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, this, it edition. seems like even the legacy of Seiko's original founder isn't goodwill enough for them to make a, a non-limited edition version. So they've done a watch to commemorate um, the 160 birthday of, of Seiko's founder. original founder oh. and as a big thank you to him for creating the company Great. they proceeded to make it limited edition perfect it's like, you well, <laughs> yeah, surely you want to celebrate this across multiple you know multiple avenues certainly that it's such an iconic person in this Seiko history it's a GPS solar watch 3900 for it. it's one of the astron ones i've never warmed to these astrons i don't know do, what do you think of them and also what do you think of the technology I, I don't know how much better it is than just your standard atomic time so i mean the technology is actually really good um the fact that they can get a so this is a this is a uh gps calculated watch or calculated synchronized synchronized watch so this is actually listening for the gps signals the radio signals from gps and then doing the math etc to to figure out where those satellites are and what time it is and that sort of stuff um so to to get that down into a watch um is a technological feat i know g-shock did this didn't they back in the day i don't know if casio were the first to do this gps I imagine, I don't know much about it, but mm-hmm. I imagine it probably is able to re- receive reception fast and probably frequently than the yeah. atomic. Yeah, so the, right. So the atomics is based on uh, the, the big, like 10, 20 meter transmitters in Colorado, et cetera, that send out a, a shortwave radio signal, you know, that you can only really hear in the middle of the night because that's when all your electronic devices are quiet. This is actually listening to for the, gps satellites flying above our head and for a real quick primer gps basically works on atomic clocks in space so each gps satellite is flying a super accurate atomic clock and then if you hear the signals from three atomic clocks you then can figure out through relativity the difference in time that it took you to hear those three signals and then you can figure out where you are on the planet. So that's how, as a super, super basic primer for GPS. And so if watches can hear this and the Astron system can do that, if watches can hear it, I mean, you're getting literally direct access to an atomic clock in space. It's incredible, isn't it? A technology. This, um, I don't really like the look of this one. It's, it looks like it's got a PVD coated case with the gold 
gold hands and gold pushes it's a cr- uh, chronograph it appears to be as well um but anyway so that's um that's another limited edition seiko i thought it was pretty interesting i don't know if you got to see this chris but uh, Jody from Just One More Watch did. Th- he reviewed the Willard, the new Seiko Willard with the six R thirty five movement in it. It looks good. It does look good. But this is a watch on a rubber bracelet that's one thousand one hundred dollars or something. Mm-hmm. It seems excessive to me based on the specs. But I don't know. What, have you seen this? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to watch it. But uh, I, I, I heard about the watch and certainly more of the same. Not to extend the ever present Seiko gripe, but it, it's really hard to get interested in something like this with the movement that it's got in it and with the specs that it's got for more than a thousand dollars i mean that's that you know you just once you're in the once you're in the like as you know we were having a continual discussion over on the facebook page once you're into the fifteen hundred dollar price range there is just so much out there for specs and for design and for quality that i just don't think seiko competes anymore i think it's a shame i do like the look of this watch they've also slimmed the case down to 42 millimeters when i think the original 6105 was 44 millimeters sapphire crystal etc there was the i saw there's a there's at least two people on my instagram feed that have uh the blue 62 mass with the blue dial and it looks Mm. so good this watch looks so good and every time i'm like oh which one is that and i look up the model number and it's the 1500 one with the basically NH35 in it. And I just, my heart sinks every time. I think we should definitely spend a few few minutes later on talking about movements because I know I've had a, a lot of comments on my recent upload I did on the Walbrook. So I definitely, I think we should talk about that later. Another news story that I was interested in talking to you about. Uh, but before we do that, let's just pause for a very quick Hey, it's Chris from the Casual Watch Talk Podcast. As our longtime listeners know, we often talk about cars here on the pod, and that's no coincidence. Like a lot of mechanical watch lovers, we're both into cars and racing. A couple years ago, I curated a collection of automotive-inspired straps and started the Campionato Club. Campionato Club watch straps celebrate the rich history of automotive liveries with their inspired colors. Available in a single-pass NATO, two-piece, and our new super-comfy elastic NATO, check out Campionato Club on the web. That's championship in Italian, C-A-M-P-I-O, nato.club hello everyone welcome back to casual watch talk so chris i said i had another news Mm. story this one is interesting back and forth we've been talking about chrono 24 we've been talking about ebay over the last couple of episodes and i don't know whether this is new but a blog to watch has reported that now ebay is essentially trying to eliminate the biggest bugbear of most people who buy luxury watches on their site which is is this authentic Hmm. so they created this authenticity guarantee that you sent the watch and they authenticated it and then it became part of the sale i think you had to pay a little bit extra to do it but now what they're saying is any watch that is over two thousand dollars will has to go to them first has to so they will authenticate it before it goes to the the seller so yeah i mean a blog to watch says um here it says the world's largest online luxury watch marketplace and also auction platform ebay has recently announced a major update to how buyers of luxury watches 
can feel safe about their purchases. In short, all wristwatches purchased at a price of $2,000 and up will be verified by a third-party authenticator prior to delivery to buyers. Hmm. Ask any buyer of luxury watches online what their biggest fear is. The most often is that they will say that I'm afraid I, the purchase will not match the item's description. Mm-hmm. Wristwatch customers are often asked to take appropriate risk when it comes to trusting a seller's first-person description of the product. And then it says that this shouldn't add a significant delay deliveries. Uh, okay. And, and no mention of cost to the seller? It says um, eBay's authenticity guarantee doesn't cost anything and only adds a modest amount of waiting time to when a buyer expects to receive their eBay watch purchase. Hmm. Upon completion of the sale, the watch seller is instructed to ship the purchase watch to a third-party authenticator within two days. Each team timepiece is inspected and then sent using a two-day shipping to the buyer in the United States. Hmm. Ellible transactions are for non-smart mechanical or quartz watches whose final bidding price is $2,000 or more. More so, authenticity-guaranteed eligible watches cannot be aftermarket modified or customized. Hmm. They're really moving in on this market because they, I mean, they really recognize that I, I, I agree they have a problem where they've got folks on there that are selling stuff that isn't coming across as described. Yes. So they're trying to fix that problem. Uh, they're doing it in a way, and I, we did try to get to the bottom of this and I have not seen any anyone say anything about this or how they're doing this i feel like it's either a group of individual watchmakers that are set up in various cities something like that that's what it kind of feels like to me that they're doing but on the flip side of that whether it's two giant warehouses or two giant um, places where these these watches go to say period these are authentic sure okay in certain in certain what you know okay so my my 2001 omega seamaster okay sure you can get have a watchmaker who knows all about omegas and open it up and verify a couple things but still with some of these like brand new watches and some of these crazy super fake watches that are out there that guarantee (laughs) it's it's really tough to say in in that you've got you've got that stuff lying around you've got manufacturers who are not going to authenticate i mean this is this is kind of part of the problem and i don't know if you saw sort of leads into what i what i saw did did you see the uh, federico about uh he ran into a problem where uh, par- Parallel? No, I've, no. Yeah, I so he had a, 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 and I'm going to pronounce this wrong. It's French, so it's a, uh, it's P E R R E L E T. So Perriel, Perrier, Perriet? No, Perrelli. No, no, that's that's a tire. Parallel. I'm going to say that. Yeah, it's Parallel. Um, so Parallel, he had a watch from them that he had his watchmaker authenticate and was in great condition and had listed it up on eBay. And so the manufacturer just went to eBay and basically said, Oh, all those watches that they're selling that every, you know, all the, all these watches that he, that this person is selling, they're not verified. They're not, they're not real. And so flagged, flagged this watch. So then 
Federico was unable to sell it on eBay. And this is where one of the ways that I don't like what eBay's doing here is they're kind of muscling in to to solve a problem, but they're they're creating more issues and and more. I mean, just the fact that now when I want to buy a watch that's you know over that magic price range. I now have to wait for that to be authenticated. I don't know really where that's going. The seller, the seller knows where he's shipping it to, but they, I don't, I don't know where it's going. And then I don't know who's opening it up. And for some people and for some situations, and I'm sure I can think of at least two or three vintage Seiko or, you know, even, you know, some older. I don't know if I'd want just anybody cracking that thing open. Yeah, it's interesting as well. And one of the FAQ items is that they do vintage watches are eligible for authenticity. But what they're saying is that they'll still verify them as authentic. Well, their exact wording is vintage watches, which are verified as authentic by third party authentication partners may contain replacement parts that are not from the original manufacturer if the original manufacturer is no no longer makes that part. So especially with vintage watches, I mean, Todd will tell us this over on the Facebook group. Yeah. I mean, those Seikos are the difference between having one that has a dial that matches a serial number but versus one that doesn't is yeah. cost-wise. And, and how is it? You, you couldn't expect an independent third-party authenticator to be experts in every brands single that brand, right? Gone. Exactly, yeah. every single brand. I mean, I think about yeah, I think about some of the brands that I trade in, and I just and I'm I'm getting to the point where I, I think there's probably only you know a dozen people that are going to recognize some of these things, and and like you said, Todd is a perfect example. Like he's he'll look you know you, he's only one of a handful of folks that would actually recognize like nope, that's not a that's a replacement dial or that's replacement hands or. Something like that, yeah. And I imagine 90% of the, well, I, I don't know statistically, maybe 70% of the f- the watch fraud that happens on eBay where it's fake watches and stuff is well below the $2,000 mark. Yeah, yeah. Or so far in the high end that no, <laughs> no one's been caught yet. I don't know. This is addressing a problem that I feel like eBay turned a blind eye to for years the amount of counterfeit stuff that's on ebay mm-hmm. is is certainly not as bad as uh, wish or that you know which mm-hmm. both wish and ebay are third party sellers they're not to blame for it right. but i feel like they should have certainly done more the, the amount of fake seikos that you see on, yeah. on ebay and, yeah. and wish is it reminds me of the amazon marketplace problem because it's the same over there i mean amazon has a huge problem where they have tons of counterfeit goods being sold. And to compound that, they get manufacturers involved. And then manufacturers muscle in and they're like, well, we don't want any anybody but us selling this thing. So then they just, then they use that power to come in and say like, oh, well, all this stuff on here is fake and, and our stuff's the real stuff. When, when in actuality, that's not the case, you know, then that's not necessarily the case. So it just muddies the waters because then you hear this thing like, oh, all of this is fake. But but really not. And I mean, at the end of the day, you and I have both said this about a couple of things. If you take a factory where it makes, you know, the case for the watch and then tomorrow they make the case for a, a different watch that could be sold as a knockoff or whatever, like it's the same case, it's the same finishing, it's the same level of quality. So like 
you have to really start to ask yourself like well what is like what is fake what is counterfeit certainly our our very famous seiko fake seiko that i bought from wish that for some reason that videos had a bit of resurgence and Mm. some people keep commenting like why are you gonna why would you destroy it why not keep it i'm like look the decision has been made this thing, <laughs> as done. soon as chris and i can get somewhere where we can do something horrible to this watch we're, we're gonna go and do something horrible to this watch i, I often put on the uh, on the comment section somebody's like well it seems like a waste and i'm like well what would you rather watch on ebay me talking about a fake watch that i kept and i just wear occasionally or would you like me to see me destroy it in some horrible way right right yeah <laughs> i don't think we really harp on it here i know other channels and forums harp on no counterfeits no fakes and i and i absolutely agree it takes something away i mean for you to go out and get a fake watch and you know it's fake and it's just it's so it's it's so vapid and so uh just it's gross and those you know those feelings are the same sort of you know when you when you just when you have these copies of what and so i was like i once you start to get into that i don't want any of that it's funny isn't it because rolex is i would say arguably over any other product is more or less the the meme for fakery isn't it mm. I, I mean even when i was a kid i remember the joke most 80s films had jokes yeah, about fake yeah. rolexes was it uh home alone where was the the first one or the second one it was like when she when she's in the airport and she's like she asked oh, if it's a rolex yes. oh is that a rolex and she's like does it look like one <laughs> but maybe this has helped them over time because rather than it work against them where people assume oh well it's just a fake rolex maybe yeah. It's added to the the mystique of well, this is this is a real one. It's it's certainly a funny um, a funny game, but yeah, that I mean that fake Seiko that I had to your point. When is a when is a fake a fake if it's got an original Seiko movement in right, it? And it's, I suppose it's when it's got the name on the dial. Yeah, I, I, what terrifies me about this concept and these this conversation is that middle ground where. Of course, if I was going to buy a Rolex, I would go to an authorized dealer. Absolutely. I would go, I would go to a trusted authorized dealer and, and do, deal directly with them because I, it's a just, it's, you cannot chance this. You just can't, you're not going to, no, yeah. not going to do eBay, not going to do any, a great price someplace, private sale. No. It scares me when we start talking about $2,000 Omegas and Hoyers. The tag F1 yeah. is has been absolutely replicated by these oh, forgers. Absolutely. Don't think that you're immune from fake because, as you said, we see it in not only we see it in Rolex, it's the joke, but we see it all the way down in Seiko. Going back to that that Steinhardt that we were talking about at the, the start, I mean, that's a homage, but for I mean, it would be a fake if. The you know the letters were just in a different they, orientation. Right. They, they just they, if they change the dial printing, it's so on. And I sorry to keep harping on about this. Everyone who's like a big Steinhardt fan, but my, I've never kept my views. No, no uh, we knew where, about we knew, Steinhardt. Yeah, no, we knew where you stood. It's okay. <laughs> With the exception of Shinola, they're like my least favorite of the uh, the watch brands. But uh, that's just my own opinion. That that gives you that feeling. I mean, it gives me that feeling when I saw that when I saw the snowflake hand tutor. Submariner style. I was just like, guys, like this, 
this isn't even your that's not your watch like you didn't you didn't make any of this yes it's not a oh it kind of looks like the mill sub that you can't get anymore I mean, it's just it's just a it's like it's a just copy it's really frustrating we've had a good old news discussion but I, one story that we have to talk about because this i think divides opinion more than so the tudor i think the tudor's just irking me and you but this <laughs> idea that Hodinkee is now branch so not only have they sold limited editions of watches mm-hmm. that then get flipped for many more times mm-hmm. but now they want you to insure those watches with yeah, them of course of course um so not only do you have the fear of missing out on a limited edition if you are lucky enough to then own one of these limited editions, now you've got to scare yourself that somebody's going to steal it yeah <laughs> i i don't so Unlike unlike maybe service, unlike maybe selling watches for profit, like making money off of buying and selling watches, mm-hmm. I, I'd say maybe three would be insurance for watches. So yes, it's important that you have that you that you have insurance so that you can replace the thing that you lost, so that you don't have to worry about it, so that you know something happens to it. But I feel just like first two, there's like that closed loop that people get into where they're like, so, so here they're going to be like, oh, well, I mean, you have, you have all your watches insured, right? You know? And like, of course, of course, you know, like, well, might as well insure this one and insure that one. And you're just like, okay, that's important. But at the same time, like you said, with now this feeling of like, all right, so someone's going to, you know, someone's going to steal it. Everything's going to immediately be ripped off, you know, that, that sort of thing. And the same thing with do i have to service my watch every three years do i have to send it away to directly to the manufacturer you know and and then the number one i need to track the value of my watch you know i need to track how much it's worth so that i can i don't know like so i can sell it later you know this this sort of thing so it's those three that kind of together that don't it's definitely an interesting one when i first heard of it i was like oh here's another cash grab but and maybe I, I don't know how prevalent this is, but certainly I, I think maybe a lot of people who might think that their watches are covered on house insurance. I mean, you've got to make a special, you've got to specially add it as in, uh, not an amendment, but a an inclusion. De- declaration, yeah, inclusion declaration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I wonder how how prevalent this is. They've they've given an example here. Patek uh, one five, uh, 5172G. I got, I got three of those, so I'm set. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Seventy three thousand seven hundred dollars value, and they want to charge um, eight 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 hundred and eighty six a year. I mean, that doesn't seem like a bad deal. That right. by, by any stretch that. of the imagination. But what's that? How much are you going to get rolled around if that? Right. I well, wonder what the actual policy documents say. I'll re- I'll repeat what I said in the Facebook group, which is it for them. It's it's really a brilliant idea. It's really a good idea for them because. They have an app where they have pictures of the watch. They have the serial number. They're tracking the existence of it. It's an application, so it's on your phone. So they have your phone number, your email, your contact information. So just from an insurance standpoint, if I was an insurance underwriter and you said, hi, I have pictures of the watch. I have the serial number. I have their phone number. I have all their contact information. And and it's all here will you insure this for $83? The answer is absolutely. I've got some experience of this in my day job or a previous company I worked at. I work in an industry that's basically telematics, it's called, or 
tracking of vehicles, large trucks, uh, intelligence to do with vehicles, diagnostic codes and, and sent into into the cloud so you can do some complex diagnostics on trucks, but also track them, make sure the mm-hmm. drivers are driving them properly and stuff. And this is what the insurance companies want. They, it's when you see all those progressive things on online where they're like, oh, you know, have this um, thing in your ODB2 port and it'll bring down your insurance. They're not doing that altruistically like, hey, you drive better. They, you're totally spot on here because the biggest problem with insurance is how do you estimate risk? Right. How do you speculate on risk? You need data and things like, uh, certainly in the in the trucking space that I wor- worked in, it's very hard to work out risk based on how things are driven because you don't know right. uh, unless you've got some data that's being fed in here. And I think this for Hodinkee, not only are they going to be able to uh, make a big profit from this, that data must right. be gold. They could sell that to watch manufacturers. Like, oh, did you know that? Did you know that Breitling Navitimer B01 is our most insured Breitling? And Breitling are like, oh, really? Maybe we should really work on like a right. variant of that. I mean, yeah. we know the sales figures, but we didn't know how passionately the the aftermath. How, right. Because if somebody insures a vintage. Uh, Rolex or something like that with Hodigi. Uh, Rolex is a bad example, but a vintage watch of a certain type, that's valuable to a manufacturer because they're like, well, maybe we need to reissue that watch. If somebody's going to the care to insure a watch that's 20 years old or whatever, the data's valuable. And they're estimating the they're estimating the value. They're keeping track of that. I mean, this the data mining of that, I mean, I don't I don't know even if they're not selling your personal data which they may not be and that's you know this is this will be in the the contract etc just to say okay yeah we have 35 of the original hoyer x you know and that information that 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 is super valuable to a marketing company that for sure i mean i mean what what watch company isn't looking in their back catalog and pulling stuff out exactly and some of that might be a shot in the dark it might be a small focus group of focus group of watch collectors and they're like oh that was that was a really cool one from your archives but right if hodink is going look at tudor we've got blue snowflakes thousands of them that we're insuring because people are so afraid that they're gonna uh, you know that they need insurance on them because they because they're age why don't you knock another one of them out yeah and it means and it means it's in so instead of it being in a drawer where grandpa had a vintage watch and it just got forgotten instead of being in a yeah. drawer you now have collectors who are actively seeking these out absolutely on the face of it you're like oh this is a cash grab but this is a stroke of genius yeah, on it, that re- it really is i mean for the for what they for the data that they have i mean really smart but certainly i'm definitely uh, half of me is like why didn't i think of that but at the same time i don't they're using their uh, marketing and they're using their connectivity to folks to its maximum to flip this for a second have you seen their youtube channel lately i have not i i, I will watch the occasional one yeah i find some of their interviews dry to be right. honest so okay so they've got the very famous talking watches but recently they've been practically flooding their youtube channel with these personal watch stories and i I can't see them really hitting. I watched a couple of them and they're they're very I mean they're personal stories but it's recorded by the person so it's very yeah. like 
me with my iPhone out kind of talking and sort of the background and you don't have the, the audio right and you're not have the same sort of video settings. And, things like that. and, I, and I was looking at their views and they're way off. I mean, you take a, you take a regular Houdinki video and it's like 25 plus thousand easy, even if it's just something simple. And these story, watch story ones, which I think there has to be like 30 of them up in the same. I don't, I don't think they're hitting. I mean, they're like, you know, there's like a couple thousand views on them, that sort of thing. Um, it's, it's strange. It's strange. And so they're trying a lot of different things and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. It's, it's interesting. But it feels to us like they're going in 40 different directions with this alarm clock and these like oh. personal stories on YouTube and this insurance and this, and there's another special edition from them and that's the swatch. And you're just like, oh, guys, what are you? Yeah, it's funny. I think that's one of the things that you really humbles you being a, a YouTube creator. And I'll tell a story. I was in the, the gym back when gyms, gyms used to be a thing. What's a gym? And, exactly. And there was a gentleman there. Um, the, I got to know the gym instructor. And she was asking me about YouTube or she, she was a neighbor at the time. Anyway, she introduced me to this uh, guy who was obviously a, a much more uh, professional at the gym than I was. He was, and he said, "Oh, I'm really interested in starting a YouTube channel about fitness. I've got this, you know, this fitness system that I've worked out." He says, "But I've done a couple of videos that they're just not getting the views." So I said to him, "Look, I'll stop you there. Were the videos something to the effect of this is my morning routine, this is my workout, mm-hmm. or something like that?" And he said, "Yeah." I said, "Look, when you're starting out in YouTube." Until you get big, nobody really cares about you. They're going to your videos as, what can I learn from this? And they can't learn anything from my daily routine. They're not going to enrich their lives. But So that's why I always shied away when I first started was my top 10 watch, uh, my Mm. watch picks. People Mm -hmm. are interested in my collection for sure, but they're not probably not interested in until you get a lot bigger like TGV where people then see you as a, and now I've got to know this person, they've got similar taste to me. Yeah. So I think Good you're right in this this one-off watch stories where, sure, if it's John Mayer or right, right. it's a base basketball player, they have a brand already that you're interested in the brand. Yeah. You've bought in, yeah. you watch them yeah. on TV yeah. or you listen to their music. So that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. Like, fa- yeah, famous person. I want to know what I was watching. Um, Away on Netflix. Have you seen this? The no, new uh, going to Mars kind of sci-fi. And uh, I, I think Heavy Citizen. I see a bunch of citizens. It's got a bunch of watch. I'm doing a bunch of watch spotting. So same sort of thing. Like, if you're a celebrity, we're kind of interested. But if you're just a regular, yeah, you totally know that. Like, you're just a regular person out the street. You're like, I don't, I don't. What does your morning routine have to do with what I'm doing here? I think in marketing terms, they call it something like depositing in the emotional bank account, where right. you then become a, uh, you know, a, a trusted advisor or an expert on a subject, or people like the way you present things. Mm-hmm. So then they mm-hmm. kind of warm to you. But if you're straight off the bat, oh, this is the top ten watches that I would buy. People are like, oh, well, I don't really here's, care about that. Yeah, like, here's what? Sam's swatch collection. Sweet. <laughs> exactly exactly well that's been a it's been a really interesting uh, podcast there i know we were gonna have a discussion about movements but maybe we should do this next week because i know i certainly need to research this and okay. where this stems from is i just uploaded a youtube video about a miota movement yeah. and i didn't know a lot about miota so maybe next week we'll do a kind of a movement special I don't know what you think on yeah that, Chris. yeah we can definitely do that awesome 
As always, guys, we really appreciate you listening. The podcast has been going from strength to strength, so thank you to all of our new listeners. Oh, and I forgot to do this last week, Chris. A big shout out to all of our Swedish listeners. Oh, nice. Because that is one of the top countries. I think it goes US, UK, Australia, and then Sweden's there representing. So big uh, hello to all of our... I I should have learned some Swedish. I know. I'm sorry. I called it with the the, uh, yellow Rolex and the blue band. All right, sweet. (laughs) <laughs> you did, you did, didn't you? I forgot that yeah. last time. So hello, everyone, hello from, everyone. Uh, everyone from Sweden. That's great. Awesome. As always, guys, we do appreciate you listening and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.